Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. So excited about this week because we've been in this series where we're going through the book of Ephesians in your Bible. And we're finally to chapter 4, which is like just one of my absolute favorite. Now, Ephesians is found in the New Testament of your Bible. Uh, now, New and Old Testament, just, just so you know, it's, that's the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. As a little kid, I remember I walked in to a bookstore with my dad. And we walk in, and I saw a New Testament Bible. And he's like, oh. And he pointed out, and he said, look, that's the New Testament. And I was like, do they keep finding more? I was like, and, and like... In a couple of years, will this be the Old Testament because there'll be a new, new? Like, how, how does that work? But really, the New Testament in your Bible is the new covenant. Jesus came, he died, he changed it all, he paid the price, he did what we could not do, and then we have a new covenant, a new testament, a new testimony, and that is found in the New Testament. And we're looking at the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is very interesting. Now, the Bible itself was authored by God but written down by men. By 40-ish men, over 1,500-year period of time, wrote the Bible as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it was authored by God, but written by man. Now, the author, of course, is God, but it was written, this book of Ephesians was written by a man named Paul to a group of new believers, brand new Christians. So new, in fact, that this is the only one of these letters that we find in the Bible that do not address an issue with the church. Instead, Ephesians is just, hey, this is how to live as Christians. He's like, this, this is what we, this is what you and I need to know to live as a Christian. And I am super excited because we're finally to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we're going to jump right in. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. Verse 1 says this, worthy of the calling. Like, wait a second, what? Worthy of the calling, for you have been called. Now, just, just follow with me here. He says, worthy of the calling, for you have been called. And as I read that, I'm kind of like, I think, I think if you're reading this letter, you're like, worthy of the calling, then you're a bit like, like, well, what call? And he's like, comma, you are called. Now, who's ever, who's ever received a phone call before? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you, should I explain what a phone is? Is that, is, that, is that what we need to do here? Like, okay, this is how it works. Well, he says, you are called. It's not quite that same type of call, but he says, you are called. You are called. This is what that means, that God has a mission for you. You have a purpose. You have a reason for being. And that the creator of the universe, God says, you have been called. Now, it's uh, a man by the name of Siegfried Royd. Sigmund, not, Sigmund Freud. There we go. I'm... Totally getting this confused with a musician guy. But anyways, don't know where that came from. Oh, squirrel, random, here we go. All right, let's get back. But he promoted an idea in the early 1900s of this. One of the things that he stated, and he made a very popular, this, this idea very popular was the fact that people pursue pleasure, and that's our purpose. That our purpose is to pursue pleasure. Yet, towards the end of his life and the end of his career, he actually wrote a book called Beyond the Pleasure Principle. Because he realized, he's like, this, this, this idea that all we do is, is look for pleasure, he's like, it doesn't work. There's all these instances where it does not work. Ask any mom ever, 
And it's like, wait, no, there's, this, this isn't all just fun. Ask a student who endures classes. And even if, you, even if you're one of those people who, God love you, who, who like loves class, right? You love school. Even, even, even you probably, I would dare say, had a class, maybe a professor that you're like, no, no, that one I do not like. See, the thing is this, is there's more to life than just pleasure. And in fact, if all that you chase is pleasure, pleasure is a mirage. Pleasure is a mirage because it's always in the distance because the minute you get what you, you wanted, it, it, it's a fleeting joy. It's a fleeting joy. Like, even if you buy a Wave Runner, which have you ever seen somebody, like, on a Wave Runner? They're smiling. Like, absolutely, they're smiling. But guess what's going to happen? It's going to break. It's going to have trouble. You're going to have to get it on the trailer, and someone's going to be videotaping you getting it on the trailer. It's going to be really funny. It's going to fall off the side, or you're going to back up too far. You're going to get... So it's, there's, there will be a joy, but then the joy is fleeting. Pleasure in itself is a mirage, if that's what we're chasing. I don't even know exactly who all said this first. I tried to figure it out. But it's so incredibly true, and I love this statement, and that is this. Pleasure is actually the, pleasure is the medication for those who lack purpose. I'll say it again. Pleasure is medication. It's the substitute. It's the holdover for those who lack purpose. But you were called, and you have a purpose. Paul starts this whole thing off. He says, Live a life worthy of your calling. Oh, why? Because you are called. Because you have a purpose. Now, every year, every year, you celebrate your birthday. Because, come on, it is, it's worth celebrating, right? Who, who likes big birthday celebrations? Raise your hand. You like big birthday celebrations? A very few of you. Okay. Who's like, no, my birthday, it can come and go, and I don't care. I want people to know even. Oh, wow, that way more of you. That was me growing up. Like, honestly, I wanted to be like, like I, I liked birthdays. And one year in particular, I thought I'd, I'd trick my parents. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything about my birthday. I'm just not going to say anything. So like a week before my birthday, I didn't say anything. Like, like zero. Six days before my birthday, I didn't say a single word. Five, I managed. Four, I didn't say a word, but neither did anybody else. And I was like, this is interesting. Three, still nothing. And I'm like, two, I didn't say a word. On my birthday, we're driving down 196 in my mom's Bronco. My mom's like, oh, Jesus talking. I go, do you, know what, do you know what today is? And she goes, what? I go, it's my birthday. And she goes, no, it's not. It is. And I realized that backfired and I got absolutely nothing for my birthday. And it was just like, oh, well, we're sorry. And so the next year I did the opposite. Like three months ahead, I was like, you know, my birthday's coming. You know, my birthday's coming. We celebrate birthdays because, man, wow. Maybe I would say this, the second greatest day in your life is your birthday. Why do I say it's the second? Because the greatest day in your life is when you discover why. When you discover that why. And Paul writes this and he says, look, you are called. You have a purpose. You are called by God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God says, look, I have a plan for you. And then he's like, in case you're wondering what the plan is, in case you're wondering, and I'm not talking about details, but like, is it good? Is it bad? Like, what is this? Like, you want me to go to Africa and feed? Like, like what is this? 
I don't know if I'm a third world person. I like glamping, but this could be interesting. God says, look, my plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. You have a purpose. You have a plan. Now, I've got something. Um, I think they're over here. I want to I show you. Let me see. Where did it? Okay, it's over here. Yeah, I do have something. Okay, so here we go. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, we're going with this. So I've, I've got something right here. Um, raise your hand if you think you know what this is. Raise your hand if you know what this is. Okay, okay. So this is... Um, this is an oil filter remover. It just grabs the oil filter and you just take it out. Now, obviously, you can't get the oil filters that are like way up in there, like anything. Like, but it grabs the oil filter. It's not pliers. You know, they don't even actually like touch there. It's, it's not like a weird type of like handcuff. No, no. This is an oil filter remover. And for removing an oil filter, this thing's awesome. This thing's absolutely awesome. And I went without it for a while. I had some filter. I couldn't get it off and put it on too tight. And I've been over here pounding a screwdriver through the oil filter so you can get it out. And finally I broke down and I bought one of these. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Why? What is this? See, see, somebody was like, I need something that I don't have. So I'm going to create something with a purpose. And so they made this. This is an oil filter remover. Okay, I've got something else in here. Okay. Um, all right. What, what about this one? This one's a little bit different. Who, who knows what this is? Okay, okay. Last service is like, I know what it is. And a few of you, okay, okay, a few hunters might know what this is. This is an arrow fletching jig. Okay, if you shoot a bow, and you can get the arrows without the shafts. And then this helps you put the, the fletches on. You put the fletches on, and this particular one, why do I have it? Is because it's six-degree helical, and you can't buy them that way, and, and I, I need that. That's a whole other story, but anyways. So this is a jig. Now, what this is not is this is not a hammer. Like, almost everything can work as a hammer, but not this because this is plastic. But this has a purpose, and the purpose is to give me a perfect six-degree left helical on my hunting arrows. I love this. It has a purpose. It has a design. I've, every little bit about it, it's got a little spring in it. So when you turn it, and then it holds it open. And I put the little fletches in here, and I put a little bit of glue on it and stick it in there. And then, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And this slides down, and it goes on, and it just sits there and holds them until it dries. This has a purpose. It was designed to meet a need. In case you're not catching it, let me just say this. You have a purpose. You have a calling. God designed you, put gifts, talents, and abilities in you because he saw a need. He saw a need in this world. And he's like, I know what this world needs. You have a purpose. I've got another one in here. Um, oh, I almost grabbed two. I've got another one. Um, any, any, anybody know what this one is? Okay, this is a little bit different. Um, Man, I was so excited to get this. I wanted one for a really long time. And finally, I was like, that's it. I'm doing it. Have you ever done a brake job? But this is a caliper press. So if you've got to put a brake caliper and get the piston to go back in, this thing does that. 
And before this, I'd like you push one in. If you get a dual caliper, then the other one's coming back out, and I got a piece of wood in there. I'm always like, is my C-clamp big enough to get on? I'm cranking at it, and it's twisting. I'm sitting there, I got hand clamps. And finally, I was like, no, I'm buying a tool. And I got this. And so I got it. I'm like, I'm just doing a brake job. I don't even know if the car needs it, but I'm doing it. I get in there, and I put this in. I'm like, hold on. Oh, yeah. I'm just smiling so big. Just da, 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 da. Oh, my. I love this because it has a purpose, and, man, it does this thing well. And you could try to use it for some other stuff. Okay, you need to level something. It would do that. Right? You got the refrigerator, you're trying to level, you got some appliances. This would go, I guess, if it would fit underneath it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait for the example. Okay, so there it is. So if you could squeeze it underneath and then flip it the other way, you could then ratchet it and it would lift it slightly. If you, had, you know, just some, there's a few other things you could do with it, but it has a specific purpose. And man, when you're doing a brake job and you need that stuff, that is what is it. It is designed to do, and that is where it shines. Let me just say this. You have a purpose. God made you. You have a purpose. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. So I want to talk to you about the plan that God has for you. Number one thing about the plan that God has for you is this. Number one, God reveals his plans in steps. In steps. Psalms 37, 23 says this. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. The steps of the one who delights in him. God leads through steps. So often what we want is we want finish lines. We want, God, show me where I'm going to be. And God's like, I lead in steps. Proverbs 20, 24 says this. The Lord directs the steps of the righteous. He leads in steps. I think often when we pray, we pray like, God, hey, God, just reveal your will to me. God, I'm wondering what to do in this situation. And he reveals a simple step. Hey, make this call. And we're like, well, that has nothing to do with this. God reveals in steps. When I, was, when I was young, um, everybody gets asked this when you're in high school, like, hey, what are you going to do when you get older? And I'm like, I don't really know yet. I, I'm not really sure. When I was 15, I went on a missions trip. And I went on a missions trip to Venezuela at the end of the missions trip. Uh, everybody was deciding where they were going to go next. And, and many of the, mo most of the teenagers that I went with, there was one of the group of teenagers, there was about 250 of us in Venezuela all together. And we're doing street missions and stuff, and it was really, it was really fun. We watched God do some really cool stuff and a lot of, a lot of salvations and, and healings. And at the end of the trip, they're all deciding where to go. And I said, uh, one of the leaders came up to me. He goes, next year, it sounds like most of us are going to go to, and I think it was Botswana. We're going to go for like two months. Are you in? Are you coming? And I was like, no. And, and, and the way I said it, he must have picked up on something because he's like, well, he goes, why? Why aren't you coming? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do another mission trip. And he's like, why not? And I go, because my church camp is going on right now, and normally that's where I am. And I'm, 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 it's been great while I'm here, but, but I'm, I miss church camp, and I miss church, and normally I'm there, and I get to do a bunch of stuff, and I, and I help out, and I, I miss that. I left. I went on a mission trip, and I want to know 
what step I got after that. See, see, my parents were missionaries. They got married and moved to the mission field before they were pastors. My older brother, he was three years older than me, he went every summer he spent on missions. And he would go and he'd come back with all off of this and we got shot at by that. I was like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> but I went on the trip and I'm like, this is not for me. Missions, it's important, but I left I was like, this is not for me. So I went back and a little bit later, I'll get it, a few years later, I'm in high school and Long, long, long story short, my youth pastor just made a huge impact in my life, just helping to direct. I'd be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. He's like, that's stupid. Don't do it. And I'm like, no, I, I, I really think I should move out. My parents are just, they're just too strict. And, da, da, da. and he just laughs at me. He's like, you are not moving out. I'm like, no, I am. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, I am. He's like, no, you're not. I go, well, why? Why do you think I'm not moving out? He goes, number one, you're too Dutch. And I'm like, mm. he's like, number two, your parents are not that strict. You can put up with this for a little bit longer. He's like, and then number three, see, number one, you are too Dutch. You are not. I'm like, okay, okay. And he sits down there and he's like, now submit to your parents. It's under the Lord. And he kind of shows me some of this stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. I had some other ideas. He's like, you're not doing that. You're not wasting your life on this. God's called you to more. And he kind of just spoke some things in and over my life. And around 17, I was like, I know what I want to do. I, I want to have an influence like that. I said, I want, to, I, want to help, I want to help youth like this guy helped me. I'm like, man, I want to be a youth pastor. God led himself. I knew something. One of the things he showed me was what I was not going to do. I wasn't just going to do something because this is what my parents did or this is what my brother did. It's like, no. I was like, this is not for me. It was the local church. I knew it. I want to build the local church. A little bit later, it's like, hey, I want to do youth. So I went off to Bible college, and I get back and, and, and uh, got hired on as an intern at uh, Res Life in Granville. It was my dad's church. They hired me on as an intern, and I began to work there and, and some different things. And a few years later, I was doing youth pastor, and I loved it. I loved it. I was like, man, this is it. This is awesome. It's so much fun. We get to just hang and help these kids. This is, this is a riot. And my boss came up to me. It wasn't my dad, this other guy. He comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, we really feel that you would be a great teaching pastor and we'd like to transition you out of youth and begin in, into a position as a Wednesday, they have a Wednesday, midweek, Wednesday service, teaching pastor on Wednesday. And I was like, <laughs> no. Like, I know my thing and this is not it. Like, I'm in my lane. That is not it. Adults are not my thing. Not in the slightest. That sounds horrible. Like, No. And so I just go back to doing my youth thing. A little bit later, he comes back and he's like, we still feel. And I'm like, I already said no. I'm like, this guy does not listen, like at all. So I go home and I'm like, babe, he does not listen. And we start talking and I'm in my quiet time. And, and God is just like, hey, are you there to build your thing or build the kingdom? And I was like, the kingdom. It's like, if, if they said that the way that you could win souls and build the kingdom was clean toilets, would you do it? And I was like, yes. He's like, adults are not toilets. <laughs> and I'm like, mmm. So I went back. I said, Joe, I sat down with Joe. And I was like, Joe, if that's where you guys want us, that's where we'll go. I said, I don't feel it, but if that's where you think we can be the most effective, I said, we'll do it. We'll do whatever you ask us to do. 
So we transitioned and, and, and made that happen. And it was so funny because a few weeks after we started doing this, this teaching in adults on Wednesday nights, Becca and I, we're, we're, we're on our way home. We're driving home. I look over at Becca and I'm like, this is awesome. She goes, I know. I'm like, How did, this, this is great. I'm like, they laugh at every joke. She's like, I know. She's like, it's just, it's just awesome. I said, this is so much better than youth. She's like, I know. And my brother taking over the youth and I go, don't tell Daniel. Just don't tell him. This is so great. But God led us in steps. During that time, we're there, and, and God laid something on, on Beck and I's hearts j- just for us personally. He's like, I want you out of debt. And I'd never borrowed money to buy a car or anything. That's a depreciating asset. I was like, don't do that. Just buy a car. And just do never did that. But I owed money on the house. I bought it before we got married. And... Um, was to flip. It took me 19 years, but I flipped it. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, that's not the normal plan. But anyways, anyways, um, but we, we owed money on, on the house. And God laid on our hearts, said, I want you to pay that off. Uh, so we radically changed our lifestyle. Um, it wasn't like, okay, we'll stop getting ice cream. Like we radically changed our lifestyle. We did not go out to eat. Um, I had a cell phone. I got rid of it. We had internet. We shut it down. We got rid of it. Becca had a home phone. We got rid of it. Verizon had like a $20 phone thing that they would do at the house. So she didn't have a cell phone anymore. And we had this phone thing here. We got rid of any and everything that we absolutely could. We got, um, we didn't have, we had one car for the longest time. We had I think we had one car for the first 11 or 12 years of our marriage. We just kind of made it work. I would ride my bike where I needed to go, or she would ride. Like, we radically changed our life because we wanted to do this. Now, we didn't know why, but God just laid on our heart, like, I want you free to do what I ask you to do when I ask you to do it. But we didn't know. It took us four years to, to, to pay that off. Uh, we, would, we had no spend months where we just eat our cupboards bare. Just whatever was in there, that's what you're eating. That thing that you bought and you don't even know where it came from and it's in a can and you're like, I don't know, the, the labeling is worn off and you're like, yep, we're eating it. That's what we would do. Like we radically changed because we wanted to do this. And after being at my dad's church for about 14 years, serving, absolutely loving it, um, God kind of just spoke to our hearts and was like, you're, it, it's, it's time for you to go. And we're like, we don't know where, but God leads in steps. So an opportunity opened up for us to go and be part of another church and really a church that we had admired for a distance for quite a long time and, and the culture that they had and the way that they were working together. And I was like, man, I love that. I'd really like to be a part of it. And they said, we don't have any room for you. And I'm like, I'd, I'd, I'd do anything to come and just, just be a part. And I happened to mention, I said, well, clean toilets if you want. I remember the guy I was talking to stopped and he goes, will you Really? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you can. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you can come clean toilets. I said, okay, I will, as long as I can be a part of just, just seeing the culture and witnessing, maybe just being a fly on the wall in meetings that I don't belong in because all I'm doing is cleaning toilets. He goes, he goes absolutely. It was a weird step. It wasn't a logical step, but God leads in steps. So we took that step and we went to go be a janitor at a church and just to listen and learn and spend time with people that were a part of a different culture, a different church culture, and to see how they work together. And We get there for a while, and, and shortly after we're there, my brother-in-law, who is pastoring in Grand Haven, breaks both of his ankles dirt biking. 
Like he'd never done a double jump and he decides to do a triple. If you know what that is, then you just know. And he decides to do a triple, falls off the bike, lands on the thing, shatters both of his ankles. He's going to be out and in the hospital for months. And he calls and he says, can you come help? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll co- we, we will come help. A small church, they didn't have anybody else to cover some things. And we'll, we'll, just, we'll just come, we'll, we'll help. So we went and we helped him. And, and while we're there, we're like, well, this, this still, we, we don't feel this is where God has us. And God's like, I need you to step out from this. And I'm like, okay. Um, so we went, and I'm, I've always been handy. So I started doing, um, building furniture and selling it and doing repairs in homes and some remodels and things and stuff um, and started doing that. Remember, I'm doing that. And, and I'm sitting in my tree stand. been doing that maybe six, eight months, maybe a little bit longer. didn't take a real long time. Um, I was making more money than I ever did at, at church. Um, so, so that was all good. But I was just sitting in my tree stand praying. I probably left that last job, my dad's church, probably two years. And I'm like, God, what's wrong? Like, what is this? I feel like you're leading me, but I don't understand where I am. I'm like, God, all I want to do is get behind vision and serve. At that point, I wasn't doing anything ministerially wise. I was working, again, I was making, making more money than I had made, making plenty of money. We were, we were volunteering back at my dad's church because we weren't, We'd, we'd left my brothers-in-laws, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, God, what is it you want me to do? All I want to do. And here's what I was thinking. I'm like, am I the problem? Like, all I want to do is get behind vision and serve. Because I'm sitting in my tree stand praying that. God just speaks to my heart, and he says, well, what do you think pastors do? And I'd been a pastor. So when he said that, I, I kind of I understood in, in my heart that he was asking, what do you think lead pastors do? And, and when I say he spoke to me, he, he spoke to my heart. It wasn't a voice. I wish it was like a squirrel. It's like, hey, this is what the Lord. Like, that'd be sweet. Or even a bird, like, I don't know why birds would trip. But anyway, like any of that. Like, there's talking donkeys in the Bible. So don't look at me like that's so weird, okay? Oh, my goodness. But anyways, like, like any of that I would have loved. But it was just in my heart that he says, what do you think lead pastors do? I'm like, I don't know. And again, he spoke to my heart and he says, I give them vision and they serve people. I'm like, that's all I want is I want to get behind vision and serve. So we, I left the woods and I was like, I didn't get a deer, but I was like, this is what we're meant to do. So I went home and I told Becca and, and many of you have heard the story that she's like, ha ha, have fun. And, and later God speaks to her and is like, yes, we need to do this. And we began to, to take steps and to ask people and to confirm that this is what God was speaking to us, was real, this was, this was different. And if you'd looked at the steps that we had taken, you'd be like, mm, I don't know about this. Like, does this guy really hear from God? But I was reading, I was reading through Proverbs. I read the Proverbs, a, a proverb for the day. There's 31 Proverbs, so today we read the 8th, 6th proverb. Read, read that this morning. And I was reading Proverbs 20. And Proverbs 20, 24 in this particular translation jumped out at me like it had never been there before. Anybody ever read the Bible and you're like, that's new. Like, how did, how did that get in there? But I read it and it said this. It said, if the Lord directs a man's steps, how can he understand his own way? God leads in steps. And I look back today at the steps that we took and I'm like, you could not have orchestrated it any better. Every single step. The time that we had 
at this church over here, the things that we learned, the time that we had over here, the time where I was working and I wasn't working for church and I was like, I don't like this. I remember one day I told Becca, I was like, I've never not wanted to go to work. I said, I don't want to go to work. And work was literally going out to my garage. <laughs> like, that, was literally, that was literally the work. I'm like, I don't want to. I've never not wanted to do this. We, had made, we were making more money than we had made before, ever. We made a lot of money. It was, it was going very, very well. But guess what? Like, if you ask me today, like, do you know what you're called to do? Yes, I do. I'm called to lead Life West. This is what we are called to do. And we're going to help people to, just, to know and to be able to be and do all that God has called them to. Number one thing is they need to know God. But God has a plan and purpose for your life. This is what we're doing. And when times get rough, it's like, well, well would you want to go do something else? No, I've done something else before. I've seen it. I can be successful in it. But that's not my purpose. I know what it is. God has a plan for me, and this is it. And I'm not budging, and I'm not moving. Uh, man, I look back, and I think, holy cow. So understand this. God leads in steps. And what so often you and I want is we don't want to take the first step until we see the finish line. But God leads in steps, ready, as we take steps. I mean, think about it with me. I think a great picture of this is anytime you drive at night. If you're going to drive at night, what do you need to do? You need headlights. You need headlights. But when, when you turn the car on and those lights turn on or you reach over and you turn those lights on because you're heading off, what do those lights do? Do they just like go down the driveway, out the driveway, around the corner, through the street, over, around, up on the on-ramp, all, so that you can see the whole path? No, they don't. They go, what, maybe 100, 150 feet in front of you? So how do we get anywhere if we can't see where we actually need to go? Because we can see far enough in front of us. And as we drive, the light continues in front of us, and we keep going. God leads not only in steps, but he leads as we take steps. He leads as we take steps. And as we take steps, we get the next step. I think often we assume we've got a green, excuse me, we assume we have a red light. Like, I'm just waiting, why? Because I don't know what God really wants from me. And he's like, no, God's already given you a step. It's to go talk to that neighbor. God's already given you a step. It's to begin. God's already given you the step. It's to sign up for the class. And you're like, mm, I don't really know. But he's already given you the step. I look back now at why God wanted us to pay off the house. And I was like, I don't know. Why? Because we started a church and we went without a salary. We said, we'll volunteer and we don't need it. And we don't have all of these bills. And it doesn't need to be a lot. And we're talking to people about what it would be like to start the church. And they're like, no, your finances, how are those? Because this is going to be and this is crazy, this is what you can expect and most people, they drain all of this and you're going to have to drain all of your personal accounts and this is what it's going to look like and we're like, we could do all that. Because God led us to take a step and even though we didn't see where that step was leading, we were just faithful. He leads in step, story of Philip. Now it says this in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down, he says, go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. If an angel showed up and said that to me, maybe not you, because you're more spiritual than me, but to me, I'd probably be like, and? Like, like where's the rest of the message? If an angel showed up and said, I want you to go out to 56th Street and go south, I'd be like, Keep going. If, if there wasn't anything else, it'd be like, I think we lost a connection. Something's going on here. What happened? Like, like what's going on? But you want to know what that was? That was a step. 
So verse 27 says, uh, says this about Philip. So he started out. He wasn't like, well, I just got to sit here until I get the rest of it. Like, like God, I don't know. Do I read? Maybe he didn't, he didn't like do the Bible thing. I don't know if anybody here has ever done it where you open up the Bible, let like, God speak to me, and you just like point to a verse. And, like, he didn't do any of that. It just says this. It says he started out. He just went. He just went. It says this. And he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Kennecott, the queen of Ethiopia, the eunuch that had gone to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28, and was now returning, seated in the carriage. And he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So that's a synopsis of what happened. But verse 29 tells us what that next step was. Because Philip took the first step. But verse 29 says, this is the next thing. Then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So first thing, he gets at 56th Street. And he goes over there. He starts going south. And then a slow-moving car comes by. And although an angel spoke to him the first time, now it's the Holy Spirit. Don't get stuck on the method. Just because God spoke to you in one way one time doesn't mean it's going to be the exact same every time. So now Philip gets, and this time it's the Spirit, says, just go over next to it. That's it. Just go next to it. And you're like, really? Nothing else? Because what am I supposed to do when I get there? God, I don't want to embarrass you, so you should really tell me something. And he's like, yeah, it's not God we're worried about being embarrassed, is it? So Philip goes and he gets next to the carriage. Verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? These three steps that we get is number one, an angel shows up, doesn't tell him the whole story, just gives him a step. Number two, it's something different, it's the Holy Spirit, and this time it says, go get close, so he does. But the third step, nobody shows up and nothing says anything. Nobody says anything. So what's Philip doing? Philip sees an opportunity and he takes it. He assumes he has a green light, not a red light. And he says, do you understand what it is that you're reading? The eunuch says, no, how could I unless somebody, under, somebody explains it to me? Philip jumps up, and as a result, Philip leads the man to Christ. They're, they're riding along. They see some water. He's like, can I get baptized? Philip's like, absolutely, baptizes him. And then something happens to Philip that I'm like, God, one day I want to be so used by you that you do this with me. The Bible says, and then Philip, God took Philip away. Come on. I want to be transported. I really, really do. I'm like, God, I know you do. I want to be so used by you that you're like, you're done here. I need you over here. And let me just say, airfare ain't fast enough. Boom, he just gets me there. Now, I am a little curious, and I have thought about, spent way too much thinking about it. I'm like, what if he takes me to another continent? What am I going to do? But anyways, he took a step. Understand this, you are called by God. You have a mission, you have a purpose, you were designed. Every single one of these tools met a specific need. You meet a need that God saw. God looked at 2023 and said, cray, cray, it's crazy. Look at what the world is going. He says, I know what they need. And he made you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't medicate with seeking after pleasure. It will be fun for a minute, but it's not going to last. 
I pray that you would know your purpose. One of the things that we do week in and week out is we have that growth track. Why? Because we want to help you to understand. There's a spiritual gifts test in there. Week one is really a lot about the church and is this the right church for you? And then we want to help you to make sure that you know God because when you know who you are in him, that's when you experience freedom from your past because you, you, you realize that doesn't hold me anymore. That's not who I am. That's not who God created me to be. And you can rise above it because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then we help you to know, take a spiritual gifts test. Like, okay, what does this mean? And these, the, the, the way that I'm thinking and then the way that I'm wired, why? And does the Bible address some of that? Yes, it does, and help you to see that and then discover how you can use those things to make a difference, to live out your purpose in your life. Because it is, it is great, and man, you can experience so much joy doing the things that you're good at. I don't know too many people that they're like, man, I just love losing at basketball. It's my favorite but we have talent and we have a gift and we use it and we're like, yes. And we can recognize that and the joy that comes from that. But when you add and you bring that component of now I'm going to use that, that gift, that talent to build the kingdom of God, it takes it to a whole nother level. My prayer is that you would know, not only know God, but you would know you discover the gifts and talents that he's given you and begin to use them to build the kingdom of God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You have not gone so far. You have not messed it so up that God's like, well, I can't use you anymore. Like, I had a plan for everything but that. That was just wild. That's not God. He has not given up on you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You were designed and created for such a time as this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're here today, if you're here and you say, you know what? I know. I've got some steps that God is leading me to take, leading my family to take, and we are not taking. I've, I've assumed I've had a red light. I've been waiting, but today I know God's Spirit is speaking to me, and I know that I need to take a step. I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, if you just raise your hand right now, say, I know the step I need to take. I know what it is, hands down, thanks. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know. I wish I had a step that I could pursue, but I don't know what it is. I'd love the honor of praying for you as well. If that's you, you say, I need to know. I want God to reveal to me his plan. I want to know what the next step he has for me is. If that's you, say, I need to know what that step is. Raise your hand. Awesome. God, I just pray right now for those that lifted their hands. God, some of them they know and you have spoken to them about the steps that they need to take and I ask that you would give them boldness, clarity, surround them with people that will hold them up, that will encourage them as they live out the plan and purpose and they take the steps that you have for them. There are others, God, who want more than just to simply be doing. Let us not just be busy, but... God, I ask that you would speak to them by your spirit. Confirm it with people around them. Confirm it with your word, the steps that you have for them. God, we thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just look up here a minute before we leave for the day. I would love to, I just, I just want to make sure that you know where you stand with God.
If you want to know what your purpose is, it's found in him. He is your creator. He knows because he made you. Maybe, maybe you feel a bit like that, that tool that just always gets used as a hammer, even though that's not what you were designed for. You will never know without God. I believe with all of my heart. The reason you feel that way is because you need Jesus. And if you're here, you say, you know what? I know it. I need, I need his forgiveness, his hope, and I need to look to him. I'd love the honor of praying with you. If today's the day you say, I want to give him my heart and my life. The Bible says this, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. You can know. Jesus did it all, and it can be that easy for you. It begins with you confessing and then walking it out. But if that's you, you say, today's the day I want to give him my heart, my life. I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. So if that's you, to count of three, I want you to lift your hand, and then we'll pray together. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. If that's you, get ready. One, two, three. Right now, shoot it up and say, that's me. And today is my day. Everybody knows where they're going. Awesome. Awesome. Hands down. Let's just all pray together. Everybody, if you'd bow your heads. God, I just thank you this morning for every single person that's here for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we realize that we are called, we have a mission and a purpose from you. God, we do not want that we are not people who aimlessly walk, but God, we have a purpose. We run our race for you. God, use us in all that we do, and we thank you for all you're doing both in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.